Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Stay with me this morning. Good to see you. Glad you're here or watching online, and we've been on a series called Magnetic, and we're going to continue that today. And uh, you know, when you spend about three weeks on the same passages, how many of you know it can be redundant, but God's Word is never redundant? You know, Paul told Timothy, if you remind them of these things, thou art a good minister. Let's read together. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through verse 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Has the Lord done anything good for you this week? Everybody still breathing, standing upright? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. He's good, isn't he? God is a good God. We celebrate Him today. You may be seated. God bless you. Turn around and tell your neighbor, I'm glad you're here today. It was John Stott that said, sin made us enemies. The cross has brought peace. Sin created a gulf between us and God. The cross has bridged it. Sin broke the relationship, but the cross has restored it. Through Jesus Christ, we can be restored and reconciled to God. And in verse number 19, Paul says, God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ. And how many of you know we live in a crazy, mixed-up world? And uh, this has been an exciting and unusual year. And it's not over yet. Look at your neighbor and say, hold on. You know, this morning we sang and... Uh, we, we did some old hymns, and one of the hymns we did this morning was, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. And I remember the, the old story about the music leader, and we'll, we'll tag this with Waylon, uh, who came out from the back of the platform like we have here, and we have bathrooms back there, and he had accidentally stuffed the toilet paper roll uh, with his shirt in the back of his pants, and he came out on the platform, and it kind of followed him out. And someone said, we may be getting ready to be singing the roll is called up yonder I don't know but you know the, the term yonder is a very southern term I don't know if anybody in in top of the Mason Dixon line knows what yonder is but how do you know we know it and so I got to thinking about that and there's a whole litany of southern sayings that a lot of people probably wouldn't understand but essence uh, funny as all get out if I'd been a snake, it'd have bit you. Smack dab in the middle. I'm fixing to throw a hissy fit. Don't let the screen door hit you where the good Lord split you. You might be lollygagging or dilly-dallying. Naked as a jaybird. Can't carry a tune in a bucket. One fry short of a Happy Meal. 
quit, quit looking at your neighbor. Happy as a tick on a fat dog, knee high to a grasshopper, nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Haven't seen you in a coon's age. All hat, buckle, and no cattle. I just didn't fall off the turnip truck. This is hog killing weather. How many of you ever heard that before? We used to say that and go kill the hog. This is hog killing weather. Rough as a cob. Got a hitch in my get along. Drunk as Cooter Brown. Now, I don't know who Cooter Brown is. Maybe one of your relatives. I'm not for sure. <sighs> Tighter than bark on a tree. I'll knock you into next week. Dumb as a box of rocks. It kind of looks cattywampus to me. She cleans up real nice. <laughs> Ugly as a mud fence. Scarce as hen's teeth. I fear fair to Midland today. I'm fixing to. Grinning like a possum. I'm going to tan your hide, and we're fixing to have a come-to-Jesus meeting. And this ain't my first rodeo. Don't you love those? I mean, those are really good. Some people would just look at you like a calf at a new gate and not understand what those mean, right? (laughs) Well, there's an old Irish saying, and uh, it goes like this. To chant your arm or to chant your hand. Now, we've been in Ireland, and we were there for about a week a few years ago, and I've never heard that term, but that's a common term in Ireland and England to chant your hand or to chant your arm. In 1492, there were two Irish clans that uh, began to dispute, and they had a feud, kind of like the Hatfields and the McCoys, maybe. And they were the Butlers and the Fitzgeralds. And the Butlers were from Ormond, and the Fitzgeralds were for, from uh, uh, Kildare. And they were in a bitter feud over a position called the Lord Deputy. And both families felt like they should have that position. And the tension mounted and the feud got greater and it got more violent. And then there was uh, at the point of killing each other. And realizing the violence was about to get out of control, the butlers took refuge in the chapter house in St. Patrick's Cathedral there in Dublin, Ireland. Now, the Fitzgeralds followed them into the cathedral and asked them to come out, and they began to think about making peace. But the butlers decided if they came out, they might be slaughtered by the Fitzgeralds. So Gerald, he he decided that, uh, Gerald Fitzgerald decided that there would be a hole cut in the door there at St. Patrick's Cathedral, and he would extend his hand or his arm through the hole in the door, hoping the butlers would shake hands with him, but also realizing they might cut off his hand or his arm as he extended it through the door. And thankfully, the butlers took his hand on the other side of the door, and they call that the door of reconciliation. And that door still hangs in St. Patrick's Cathedral today with a, you know, some verbiage and plaques around it, and they call it the door of reconciliation. And isn't that what God has done for us? He reached his hand out to us, the right hand of God. And how many of you know Jesus is the door? And he reached his hand out to us that we could take his hand and we could be reconciled to God. And let me tell you, our, our sins have really caused a separation between us and a holy God, a thrice holy God, as we've sang today. But we need reconciliation. And we live in a world that needs reconciliation. 
And the world that we live in today is getting worse and worse. Matter of fact, it's being corrupted all the time. I, uh, you know, my mind's thinking even this week, a major news announcer on a major news network made the statement uh, this week that, uh, you know, nobody's perfect. Even Jesus wasn't perfect. I think he got a few responses back from that. I don't agree with his sexuality. I don't agree with his political statement. And I don't agree with his, uh, his stand on religion either. Listen, my Bible says Jesus had no sin. He became sin, but he had no sin. And the only reason he became sin is because Voss, who had sin. So he could be the door of reconciliation that you and I could be right with God. Can I hear an amen? Now, if you've been with us through this series, Matt and I have been preaching it, and I just want to go over a few things. Reconciliation is the restoration of relationship between two parties. If people get crossways and because of our sin separating us from God, we need reconciliation. And it's only through Jesus Christ, His shed blood on the cross, that reconciliation can occur. You can't get it anywhere else. You can't be good enough, smart enough, educated enough, rich enough. The only way you can get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, I am the life, He's the door. And if you're going to get to heaven, if you're going to be reconciled to God, it's only going to be through Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Now, you may have other opinions about that. You're wrong, but I'm just saying that's the only way. Reconciliation, if it's going to happen, someone has to make the first move. If you were here the first week, I talked about marriage. Uh, I know you would never do this, but sometimes marriage partners stop talking to one another. And it's real quiet around the house. And we have this real cold shoulder thing going on. Y'all act like that never happens. I, you know, y'all are just way holier than Carrie and I. And for someone to have reconciliation, restoration, somebody has to make the first move. And we've heard this, well, when she does this, then I'll do this. And when he does this, I'll do this. And then nobody does anything, and there's no restoration. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, Paul talks about this. While we were weak, while we were undone, while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. Guess what? He made the first move. So he's hoping you'll respond. He's hoping I will respond. He's hoping the world that he died for, for so so much love that was given, he would have a response from you and I. For God so loved the world that he gave, his only begotten son. So how many of you know Jesus Christ made the first move on, on the cross, shedding his blood, hoping that we would respond. Someone needs to make the first move. Ernest Hemingway, the writer, he wrote the story, The Capital of the World, and in this story... He talks about a dispute and tension and a breach in a father-son relationship. I mean, you do know fathers and sons can, can have some issues, especially when they get up in their teen years and their 20s. Um, you know, father is decreased in knowledge and sons get really smart. And so that was the case. And this son's name was Paco. It was a very uh, common name in Spain. And Paco did not not like living under the tutelage and the hand of his father. He wanted to go be a matador. And him and his father got crossways, and Paco left home. Well, his father later went to Madrid, which is the capital, obviously. And he wanted to reconcile with his son. He didn't know where he was. So he went to the newspaper office, and he put in an ad in the newspaper. And this was the ad. Dear Paco... 
Meet me in front of the Madrid newspaper office tomorrow at noon. All is forgiven. I love you, Dad. The next day, 800 Pacos showed up. Can it tell you how much we need reconciliation? How, how, how many divisions and, and how many uh, drifts and, and rifts do we have in relationships? But the greatest one is with God. And we need to have that mended in our own personal life. And you need to have that mended in your life. And certainly I do too. Because we need to be where we need to be with God. And I believe the Holy Spirit is wooing humanity. And I believe the Holy Spirit will continue to woo humanity individually and corporately bring us to the cross, bring us to the only Savior, Jesus Christ. And right now we're living in an upside-down world. I was listening to the news the other day, and one of the leaders in Seattle uh, went after Amazon. I don't know if you saw that, and said, we're going to bring you down, and we're going to put up a socialist uh, economy and a socialist uh, government. And I'm thinking, how dumb can we be? So young people, listen closely. You may or may not have ever heard this in school, but you're going to hear it today. Socialism has never worked in any decade, at any time, on any continent, with any country, ever. It did not work in Russia. It does not work in China. Thank you. It does, did not work in Cuba. It does not work in Venezuela. And I don't get these people who want to bring us down to uh, Venezuela or Cuba or Russia. It makes no sense. So the world we live in needs a heads up and we need to be reconciled to God because if we're not reconciled to God, we go on crazy paths that defies explanations. So we need to feel the wooing of the Holy Spirit to be going the right direction. Now, I believe everyone has felt that at one time or another in their life. Sometimes people go to bed at night and it gets quiet, it's dark, and I believe God begins to speak to the recesses of their hearts. You either hear Him, respond to Him, or hear Him and deny Him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says in verse number 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, there's an old you and a new you. And sometimes that old you wants to sabotage your, your new you, right? There's the upward call and the downward pull, the flesh and the spirit. As long as you live in this body, you'll always have to fight this fleshly nature that you have. Paul dealt with it in Romans 7. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. He said, sometimes when I know to do good, I don't. When I don't do good, I should be doing good. And he goes on this vicious circle. Uh, you know, I've told this story two or three times. So at, uh, ad nauseum, I'll hear it again. My, my dad and, and our family, we raised cattle for, you know, decades. And uh, one time we had a, a cow die. And it was in the middle of the summer about this time. You know, some of those 100 degree days. So uh, Drew, my nephew, and his dad, Steve, my brother, they got the backhoe and they went out and dug a hole to bury the dead cow. So let me give you some things before lunch. The cow's bloated. And stuff coming out everywhere. And it stinks and flies and maggots. So 
they dig the hole deep enough, they think the cow can go in, and when they push the cow in, it just fell in really funny. Well, what happened is one leg stood straight up out of the hole. And no one wanted to go down in the hole to reposition the leg. So what they did, they filled the hole up with the leg sticking up out of the ground and then took a feed sack and just slipped it over the leg. So a week or so later, my dad is going through the pasture. He sees this funny side, a feed sack blowing in the wind, but it does not blow away. So he lifts up the feed sack and he sees a dead cow leg sticking out of the ground. So he just slips it back and drives on. Now, I said that to say this. Every once in a while in your life and my life, there's a part of my flesh that just wants to stick out of the ground. Yeah, you know. I want to give peace, a peace of my mind to somebody. I, I want to, you know, give my feelings. I, I want to, you know, blow up out of my flesh. Well, you can choose the old life or the new life. That's up to you. I mean, uh, we, we get to decide which one we're going to live in, don't we? I mean, the Lord's decided which one you can live in, but you get to decide which one you will live in. The new you or the old you. You're going to go forward or go backwards. You're going to live in that sinful, fleshly desire. You're going to walk in the Spirit, and we all have to make those decisions. And sometimes when I bring it up, people don't like me to bring it up because they know that they're the ones who are making the decision how they're going to live. Um, this morning, I want to give you four observations. If you have a pencil and paper, you might want to jot these down. And, you know, we want to kind of bring this to not only what we said the last uh, two weeks, but also, you know, take this passage and really dissect it so we can understand what Paul is telling us and telling the Corinthians. Here's the first one. The message and ministry of reconciliation has been given and entrusted to us. The message and the ministry of reconciliation has been given and entrusted to us. If you have your Bible, if you look at verse 18... There is a word there, and it's pronounced didomai. Say that with me. Didomai. Now let's all say it. Didomai. It's a Greek word, which means to give, grant, and deliver. Now in verse 19, and you know, we have it translated and trusted. Uh, the first one's given, then entrusted. Is tithomi. Say that with me. Tithomi. That almost sounds like a bad word to me. but Tithomi. To put upon, lay upon, to fix on, or ordain. Now, I'm an ordained minister. We, we have a lot of ordained ministers right here in this sanctuary this morning, in this auditorium. Now, being an ordained minister means that we're licensed. Uh, we've had hands laid upon us. We've been anointed. We've been recognized by the state and, you know, government uh, agencies. It means we can marry people. We can bury people. We can hatch them, match them, and dispatch them. So it just means that there's a sacerdotal duties that someone can do when they're ordained. But according to this passage, it says, let me go back, you, everybody say you, you have been given, granted, delivered, you have been put upon, laid upon, fixed on, ordained the ministry of reconciliation. So God has entrusted to you Every born-again believer, every Christ follower has been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. So it's not just my duty or those who are ordained by licensure or governmental agencies, but it's every believer's duty 
and privilege to be entrusted with and given with and laid upon the ministry of reconciliation. So what does that mean? Every born-again believer has that ministry. You're called into that ministry. Now, I realize that you can give that ministry out by sharing your faith, by giving the gospel, sharing the scripture, inviting someone to church, which brings us to number two, that we are ambassadors for Christ. Verse 20, that's what he says. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, an ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country to a foreign country for representation. So an ambassador is sent to another country to represent. Or we might say it is a representative for someone like an envoy or a diplomat. We have United States ambassadors that go all over the world to many different countries. Every once in a while, we're in conflict with the country. We'll recall our ambassador. Now, you say, well, pastor, listen, I, I, I'm just a believer. I'm not an ambassador. According to Scripture, you're an ambassador. And every day, every day, you and I are representing Jesus Christ, who is the door of all reconciliation between man and God. So, we have been given this ministry of reconciliation, number one. Number two, you are a diplomat, an envoy, you're an ambassador. Wait, wait, pastor, I'm not an ambassador for another country. Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Once you receive Jesus Christ, the Bible says now your citizenship is in heaven. And now on this earth, I love America. I'm a citizen of America. We have the greatest country. We ought to love it, represent it. We ought to take care of it. Can I hear an amen? amen. But we have a greater calling in the heavenlies. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. We're ambassadors for Christ. And we have been commissioned and entrusted with this ministry of reconciliation on this earth. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, here's a question. What kind of ambassador are you? What kind of ambassador am I? I mean, how am I representing Christ? How am I representing heaven? Would people want to follow me if they saw the way that I lived? Which brings us to number three. He has made us worthy to be his ambassadors. Now, when I say worthy, this is the first thing that comes up in my mind, maybe yours. Well, listen, I'm not perfect. I've committed sin. I've done things wrong. I, I, I've messed up. Well, welcome to the human race. Are you a part of that group? Now, I know some people, they're pretty judgmental. Anybody know anybody that's judgmental? Quit looking around. There's a lot of judgmental people. They're always pointing out faults. You didn't do this. They didn't do this. Well, honey, get off your tough and you do something. I'll just put it clear. Well, listen, there's a lot of judgmental people. But listen, nobody's perfect. But I love this. Look at verse 19. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now notice this line here. Not counting our trespasses against us. Are you perfect? No. Have you have 
have you made some boneheaded decisions? Sure. But here's the wonderful story of grace. Here's the wonderful story of mercy. Here's the wonderful story of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that even though we are fallen by nature, we have been reconciled to Christ. And so therefore, He took our sin, the one who had no sin, and He has, notice this, not counted our trespasses against us so that we might now be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Listen, we're moving to perfection. We're pressing to the mark, but nobody's perfect. But this is what I found out. But if you're honest, if you're transparent, if you're real, people still want to listen. Because I'm going to tell you something. They, they know nobody's perfect. People will follow somebody that's real. So what has to happen here is our witness has to be not only talkable, but it has to be tangible. You can't just talk it. Because a lot of people talk a good talk, but here's the talk, here's the lifestyle over here, and they just don't quite match up. And so it's pretty hard to be a minister and give the message of reconciliation when the talk is this, but the life is this. How many of you know where I'm going with this? But it's much easier when the walk is this, and the talk is this, and then it matches up much better, even though we make some mistakes. Even though we fall on our face every once in a while. And that's when it's good to say, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. I repent. That's not the way a person should live. Instead of, you know, hiding it or trying to avoid it or whatever. So once you and I try to live a certain life and a standard, not perfect, but we're trying, the message is more receivable. And so it has to be not only talkable, it has to be tangible. I mean, we can see this. We, we can get our hands on this. And sometimes it's just talk. And sometimes people are just fed up with all talk, right? So we have to say, He has made us worthy to be the ambassadors. If you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn to um, uh, Luke 14 here in a moment. But I want to tell you a story. In this uh, account by Dr. Mordecai Ham is the saving and the, I guess it would be the exposure of Billy Graham to the gospel. So, Dr. Billy Graham was converted in a meeting conducted by Dr. Mordecai Ham in 1934 in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, this is Dr. Ham relating this. So, listen up. Two young high school boys attended our meeting. They thought that everything I said was directed their way. So, they decided to take seats in the choir where I couldn't point my finger at them. They didn't pretend to be singers, but they wanted to be behind me. The two young boys were Grady Wilson and his friend Billy Graham. Billy recalls how on the first uh, night that he attended the services of our meeting, he was impressed with the crowd. He had never seen such a crowd before, nor such a big preacher and fighter. And soon he had all he wanted. Billy didn't like being told that he was lost and going to hell. As soon as he got out, he said, I'm through. But he was miserable all night. And the next day, he admits, I couldn't get there soon enough for the next night. In Billy Graham's thinking, at that time, his hero was Babe Ruth. So far as he was concerned, nobody ever attended revival services like these except a lot of old, effeminate men, crazy women, and a bunch of children. That's a huge perspective, isn't it? 
But our meeting changed his hero from Babe Ruth to Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing story? Now, I want to show you a little sequence here of how this ministry of reconciliation, this ministry of evangelism works. So a Sunday school teacher by the name of Edward Kimball helped introduce a person by the name of Dwight L. Moody to Jesus Christ, a Sunday school teacher. J. Wilbur Chapman received counseling from Dwight L. Moody after he attended an evangelistic meeting. Billy Sunday worked for Chapman as an assistant, and Mordecai Ham was invited to a Billy Sunday's men prayer and fellowship group, and Billy Graham was converted at a Mordecai Ham meeting. You see the chain of events? And Billy Graham has preached to millions of people. You never know the person that you witness to. The person you share your faith with. You you never know the way that you live your life, how it will affect one person, and you never know the chain of events that will happen from that one person you pour your life into. Teachers, coaches, Sunday school teachers, let me tell you, for every person here, It is so important that we keep that at the forefront of our thoughts and how we live our life. When you think no one else is listening, no one cares, hey, they must hate me, somebody is listening to the message. Somebody is feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit in their heart and their life, and it could not only change a person, a family, a future, but a community and even a nation. So we have to realize we have been given this awesome ministry of reconciliation. And that's what you need to know. So here's the fourth thing. What we do is eternally important. I want you to say that with me. What we do is eternally important. Now here's the text, Luke 14, 16 through 24. Jesus giving us a story about a dinner and a banquet. And he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of land or a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, and I love this guy. He's so honest. I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. (laughs) She tells me where I can go. She tells me what I can do. She tells me what time I have to be home. She tells me what time dinner is. Stop, pastor. Move on. (laughs) Then the master... Well, let me back up. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has been done, and there's still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. How many of you believe there's going to be a banquet in heaven? According to Scripture, the Bible calls it the marriage supper of the Lamb. Have you ever heard that? 
the marriage supper of the Lamb. So, so this is what I believe. I believe when the rapture happens, we're going to be with Jesus in heaven for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, why is there a marriage? We're the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom. So there's going to be a marriage. So that's good news. Now, why were these people not at the banquet? Well, they're not going to experience the banquet not because they weren't invited. You with me? So, so these people have been invited. Uh, they're not going to experience eternal life. They're not going to be in heaven, not because they weren't invited. So they're left out, and they're left out not because God doesn't want them there. Did, did you see it when I read it? He said, go out and invite all these people. Well, some begin to what? Make excuses. Now, this is the thought in, in the story that Jesus is telling. So there would be some that would think the lame, the halt, the blind wouldn't be people that you would invite. Guess what? God invites everybody. He doesn't care who you are, where you came from, color of your skin. If, if you're blind, halt, lame, he doesn't care your ethnicity. He doesn't care how much money you have. When he says, go out to the highways and the byways, you know what he's saying? Get off the main street. Uh, get, get out of the, the, the rich section. Go out to everybody. My message, my invitation is for everyone. Don't leave anybody out. Now, the outside people chose to be outside. They chose to ignore the call, the invitation. They made excuses. I'm too busy. This is about business. This is about family. This is about this. This is about recreation. Honey, let me say something. Don't be too busy that you miss the call. Jesus is coming. He's coming. And I tell you what, by the way I look at the world, He may be coming sooner than you think. We're being set up right now. Oh, pastor, we're not either. Well, you may be the frog in the pot. You may be acclimating to the temperature. It won't be long. You're going to be bold. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. There are signs we see. I think we're being set up right now. And I would uh, urge you to get your life right with Christ. Get your rear end on a pew or in a seat somewhere on a regular basis. So you can hear the Word of God. So you can be in the fellowship of God's people. Don't say, well, I got to go do this. Got to go do that. Honey, we all got stuff to do. And I'm not saying don't do it. But you better make God a priority in your life. Because we don't want you on the outside looking in. We want you right in the middle of the banquet, right? Now, two things here. Number one, you've received the invitation. I've received the invitation. Now, once you receive the invitation, now you play the role of the servant. You say, well, what, what do you mean? Well, the servants are the ones going out and say, my master has a huge banquet. He wants you to come. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to be a part of this banquet he's, he's throwing. Now, guess what? If we have been made and entrusted with this ministry of reconciliation, guess what? We're, we're given the invitation, aren't we? Why don't you go with me Sunday? Why don't you go to class with me Wednesday night? Why don't you come to youth group? You can do that in your practice. You can do that on the job. You can do it in your family. This is what I believe. God is going to give you the words to say at the right time, 
at the right opportunity to share your faith, to share his message, to share the hope of heaven through Jesus Christ. And I believe if we will do that, the Holy Spirit will begin to work on the things that we say and how we live. Anybody believe that here today? Now, this is very important. You are responsible for the invitation, but you're not responsible for the results. You're not responsible for the results. When I first began as a believer, and and maybe this is with you, as you began as a Christ follower, and especially when I was a minister, I tried to invite people to church. I tried to share my faith. Some politely dismissed me. Some people, not so politely, dismissed me. Some had to throw in a few choice words in the dismissal. Anybody relate to any of this? I'm only responsible to give the message. You're only responsible for the invitation. But you're not responsible for their reaction. Now notice this. In this account there in Luke 14, the Lord never upbraided any servant here. He didn't say this. Well, you must not be given the message right. You must not be uh, inviting people enough. You're not going to the right places. You can't find any of that in the Bible. How many of you know it's not in there? What you do find is the reaction of the other side. Excuses, excuses, excuses. That'd make a good old song, wouldn't it? We all had to stay home to blow that poor kid's nose. Y'all don't know the song, do you? So what we're doing has eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. And so what we want to do, every one of us here, when we step through the halls of heaven, this is what we want to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Who went out with the invitation? The servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You, you, you lived a life. You, you, you tried to be evangelistic. You had the ministry of reconciliation. You say, well, I don't have to do that. That's fine. You and the Lord, you take that up when you stand in front of him. That's between you and God. But I'm telling you what we do has eternal consequences. Now, this is more than just having church. You know what we're doing? We're trying to populate heaven. It's more than just having church. What we're trying to do is bring people into the kingdom of God. And it's not just us. There's there's people all over the world. You know what they're doing? They're, They're trying to populate heaven. Now, why would we want to try to populate heaven? Because the lease is going to run out down here for long. I don't know if you know it, but but the rent's going to be due, and you're going to have to move, and where you move determines by your response to the invitation. Can I go a little bit deeper with that? You you deny the invitation where you're moving is not a good hangout. But if you accept the invitation, he's going to slide you under the banquet table for eternity, and you're going to sup with God. You see, for every little kid that our teachers teach back in the back, for all of the nursery workers and the youth workers and the children's workers and, 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 and the, the ones who are ministering on Wednesday night, and when you go out to your classes and, and when you go to your job and you go to your family, you know what you're doing? You're doing something that's eternally significant. It's not just today and God tomorrow. Listen, what you're doing in this kingdom will last forever and ever 
and ever. Because the lease is going to be up down here for long. And I want you to be with Jesus. And so today, you and I have been entrusted with, we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. And what we want to do is we want as many people to go to heaven with us as we can get. Because the alternative is horrible. Absolutely horrible. So today, let's do what God has called us to do. I'm looking at a bunch of ordained ministers today. Ordained in junior high. Ordained in high school. Ordained on the job, ordained in the practice, or ordained in life, ordained in your family. I want to tell you what you're doing has eternal significance. Because he who has no sin was made sin that you and I could be righteous. And he said, go share that news, you ambassadors. Go share that news. Would you bow your head with me today? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.